Hello, my devoted listeners, and welcome to this week's episode. I have a few memorial tributes here to offer at the very outset. First of all, the English tenor, conductor, and musical scholar Nigel Rogers died on the 19th of January at the age of 86. I remember listening to scads of his recordings as I was growing up. He had a very distinctive timbre, but he used his whole body in the production of his instrument and set a very good example for what early music singing could be. He was also an incredible vocal technician, as we hear in this 1974 excerpt of his recording of the title role of Monteverdi's Orfeo. This is one of the final statements of the Passacaglia in the Possente Spirito aria, the recordings led by Jürgen Jürgens. Oh, <laughs> 
a completely different kind of singer, but one of extraordinary gifts was the baritone Gianni Maffeo, who died on the 3rd of January at the age of 82. If people remember his name at all, it's probably because he is the Chonard on the Herbert von Karajan recording of La Boheme, which starred Luciano Pavarotti and Mirella Freni. But Maffeo was an extraordinary singer in his own right, and one who, though he had an active career, never received the kind of worldwide accolades that I think he deserved. A few years ago, in a used so-called antiquariat, I picked up a recording of his titled Bel Canto. The repertoire is not really Bel Canto, but the singing is an extraordinary illustration of the principles of Bel Canto. This is Minni dalla mia casa son partito from La Fanciulla del West. The recording is from 1967 and appeared on the Suprafon label. Jaroslav Vogel leads the Prague National Theatre Orchestra. And as a lead-in to the upcoming riches of Black History Month, I mentioned a few weeks ago the recent demise of Maria Ewing at the age of 71. 
She will be the first of my Black History Month episodes coming in a week. But I wanted to find a way of bringing her into the subject of today's episode, which is another one in my series of Canadian singers. When she sang Carmen at Covent Garden in 1991, her escamillo was Gino Quirico, a French-Canadian baritone whose father, Louis Quirico, was also justly celebrated. The focus on today's episode is going to be Canadian singers singing art song, but I did find this excerpt of Maria Ewing and Gino Quilico in the last act of Carmen, their very brief duet, Si tu m'aimes, Carmen, and here it is for you. Darling Claudia Muzio has been waiting patiently in the wings to lead us into this week's episode. So, without any further ado, take it away, Claudia. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. As always, I am your host, Daniel Gundlach. No preaching here, no lecturing, well, maybe just a tiny bit of each, but the primary spotlight will always be on the singers that enrich and enhance our lives, no matter what is going on in the world around us. Thanks for joining me. This week's episode. Hi again, everybody. I had mentioned that this week's episode was going to be another of my Canadian Singers series. This one is more of a potpourri episode, if you will, featuring a wide range of Canadian singers, all singing some variety of art song. Originally, I was going to do either George London or Maureen Forrester. We will hear them both in single selections this week, and I'm planning 
to do full episodes on both of them, as well as a number of the other singers that we're going to hear today. In fact, let us lead off with that gargantuan talent, George London, who was one of the great Helden baritones, and who also straddled the bass baritone repertoire as well. He was also a magnificent recitalist, and today he's going to lead us in with his performance in a 1962 concert filmed for television of Andi Musik. He's accompanied here by Leo Taubman. <laughs> London, unlike most of the singers that we're going to hear today, was registered at his birth in Montreal as a U.S. citizen. In fact, he moved to California with his parents when he was only 15 years old. I believe that he considered himself more of a U.S. American than a Canadian American, but nonetheless, he's certainly celebrated in the country of his birth, as are all of the singers that we're going to hear today some of whom you may not have heard of before, but all of whom had extraordinary gifts 
either vocal or interpretive, and in certain cases, both. This next singer was not born in Canada, but she became a naturalized Canadian citizen. I'm talking about the soprano Irene Jessner, who, when she was born in Vienna, probably pronounced her name Irene Jessner, but she's known universally to those who remember her today as Irene Jessner. She was invited by Edward Johnson, yet another Canadian, originally a tenor, who went on to become the general director of the Metropolitan Opera. He invited Jessner to make her debut at the Met in 1936, and she sang with that company for 16 years, and again, at Johnson's invitation, became a member of the music faculty at the University of Toronto in 1952. She had a great number of very, very successful singers, several of whom we will hear more of over the course of the podcast. She's remembered primarily for her operatic performances, and she possessed really an ideal jugendlich dramatisch voice of extraordinary beauty and power. But in 1942, she did make a recording of a few songs. This one is by the Dutch composer Frank Valentin van der Stucken, and it's translated from the original Dutch into German, and she sings it here as Oh, komm mit mir in die Frühlingsnacht. It's just another one of those I love you, let's go out into nature together and, in fact, enjoy, quote-unquote, the spring night with whatever that might entail. <clears throat> Irene Jessner is here accompanied by Bruno Reibold leading the Victor Symphony Orchestra. next singer in our Canadian lineup today is the French-Canadian tenor Raoul Jobin, who lived from 1906 to 1974 and was celebrated not just in Canada, but also in France and at the Met and many other venues as well. 
I grew up with his 19, I think it's 1948, recording of Les Contes d'Offman. So I have his voice imprinted in my mind as one of the ideal French tenors for this repertoire. It was a sizable voice, and he sang roles as varied as the title role of Siegfried, the Duke, in Rigoletto, and French opera heroes from Des Grieux in Manon to Faust to Don José, as well as Hoffmann. Extraordinary in all of these. The recording I'm going to offer today is an unusual diversion for him in that it is a song rather than an opera aria. This is by Jules Massenet, one of the composers, of course, in whose music Jobin specialized. But this is the ever popular and beautifully evocative song, Elegie. The recording, which features an unknown pianist and cellist, was recorded in 1940. Now, one thing that one can say for so many of the singers that we are hearing today is that following their active performance careers, they became very active in the musical life of Canada, either as administrators, teachers, or other kinds of figureheads. The next singer, in fact, that we are going to hear has been featured twice on my podcast already. He's the modest voice baritone Bernard Diamant who was born in Rotterdam and, again, became a naturalized Canadian citizen, who, while still maintaining an active career, also began teaching 
initially at the École Vincent-Dindy in Montreal, followed by a stint at McGill University, and finally, upon his retirement from singing at the University of Toronto. He, too, had a number of very important students. And while his voice, as I mentioned, is rather modest, he's a beautiful interpreter. He recorded quite rarely, but he did leave a beautiful recording of Schubert songs that he made with the Canadian pianist John Newmark in 1964. Today we're going to hear him in the Schubert song Am See. I should mention John Newmark, of course. The Canadian pianist began his career as an accompanist to Kathleen Ferrier, and later he became more or less the exclusive pianist of Maureen Forrester's as well. And by the way, Maureen Forrester was probably Bernard Diamant's most famous pupil. We will be hearing John Newmark in numerous other tracks today as well because he took a very active part in the nurturing of young voices and careers. The next singer that we are going to hear, again singing Schubert, is the marvelous tenor Jean-Paul Genotte, who died in September 2021 at the age of 95. I first became acquainted with Genotte's singing on his extraordinary radio performance from France in 1955 of Peleas, opposite Gérard Sousset and Suzanne Danco. It's conducted by Roger Desormières and is, for me, one of the most vital performances ever of one of my very favorite operas. And he is, along with George Shirley, one of the very few tenors who has successfully essayed this part. But we're not going to hear Genot singing Peleas today. We're going to hear him instead in Art Song, of course. 
Now he sang Lieder and Melodie with equal aplomb, and while one might find his voice a little better suited to the French repertoire, he also was, as I say, a wonderful leader performer. So we're going to hear him sing the song Tränenregen from Die Schöne Müllerin, which is a description of the young apprentice Miller with the beautiful Miller's daughter. If one reads between the lines, one can hear that there is, even at this very first encounter, a lack of connection, which of course leads to the ultimate tragedy in this cycle. Jean-Paul Genotte is accompanied here by Jeanne Landry, his primary pianistic collaborator. Oh. 
I should mention about Jean-Paul Junot that he also was a composer and wrote a wonderful cycle of songs called Propos Intime. But even more importantly, after his retirement, at the young age of 40, he entered a second career on the administrative council of the Opéra du Québec and was instrumental in the founding of the Opéra de Montréal, of which he was the artistic director for 10 seasons. Yet another example of a Canadian artist giving back to the country. Our final Schubert selection today offers us a brief example of the Canadian baritone Victor Braun, who, since much of his career took place in Germany, was known over here by the German pronunciation of his name, Victor Braun. He was born in Ontario in 1935 to a family of German Mennonite immigrants. He died in January 2001 in Ulm, Germany. He had a very active career for many, many years, saying the world over. He is the Wolfram in the Schulte recording of Tannhäuser, although he did not make all that many recordings. But later in his career and in his life, at the age of 55, he went into the recording studio to make a pair of significant art song recordings, one of which is of Franz Schubert's Winterreise. We've been hearing so much of Winterreise lately from other Canadian singers. First, Lois Marshall, three weeks ago, then last week, John Vickers. Now I'm going to offer you the first song of the cycle, Gute Nacht, with Victor Braun, Victor Braun, accompanied by the Czech-Canadian pianist Antonin Kubalek. Wildes Ritt, 
At the very top of the podcast, we heard Gino Chirico, a renowned baritone in his own right, also the son of a towering Verdi baritone, Louis Chirico. In the instance of Victor Braun, Victor Braun, he also has a son who is a marvelous baritone, that's Russell Braun. I'm not getting into the current generation of singers in this episode, but perhaps we will explore some of the bumper crop of young Canadian singers in a future episode. I'm now going to offer you recorded examples from probably the most famous husband-wife team of Canadian singers. That's Leopold Simoneau and his equally gifted wife, Pierrette Allary. Now, I'm going to play a song for you of Leopold Simoneau, accompanied by the pianist Alan Rogers, performing Henri Dupac. This is the song Au pays où se fait la guerre. It's a dramatic depiction of a young maiden waiting in a tower for the return of her lover from the wars. This recording served me in very good stead 
when I was a young voice student and wanted to perform this song. And my voice teacher told me that there was no way that he would allow me to sing a song that was intended for a woman to sing. And I dragged him into the music library and I pulled this record off the shelves and I said to him, triumphantly, if Simono sees fit to sing it, then I can sing it too. Of course, I couldn't really sing it, but that's another question. This recording, which inspired me in more ways than just that, was recorded in 1958. <laughs>
Pierrette Alary was also an extraordinarily vivid performer. Just this past week, I saw an extraordinary 1959 film of her in the North American and television premiere of Francis Poulenc's monodrama La Voix Humaine. Today, however, I am going to offer you a recording which was, in effect, part of a series of melodies that both she and her husband Leopold Simonot did. They were both celebrated for their operatic parts, but as you hear in this example, they were also enormously gifted recitalists. This is the early song by Claude Debussy, Apparition, set to a text of that marvelous and very obscure symbolist Stéphane Mallarmé. The first time I heard this song in an art song masterclass, I nearly lost my mind. I had no idea that Debussy had even written music like this. He really out-gounos gounos, he out-massonnets massonnets, and it's just an incredibly intoxicating and engaging song and performance. Pierrette Alary is here accompanied by Alan Rogers. Thank you. 
And we're going to stick with the French repertoire for a little while. The next singer up is a bass by the name of Gaston Germain, born in 1933 in Quebec City and died in 2015 in Montréal. He was just one of many students of Raoul Jobin's. He also studied with Bernac, as did Jean-Paul Genot, I should mention, and was also an active performer in Canada in the 1960s and 70s. Eventually, his duties as a music administrator led to his retirement from the concert stage. But back in 1967, he recorded a fascinating cycle by the French composer Henri Sogui. This is a cycle of six songs set to the poems of Max Jacob. Poulenc also set a number of songs to the texts of Max Jacob. But Sugiv's cycle is called Vision Infernale, Hellish Visions, and it was composed for the bass Doda Konrad, whose mother, by the way, was the famous German soprano Maria Freund. This is the fifth song of the cycle, Le Petit Paysan. In this poem, the poet tells us, under elms older than my father and my grandfather, under the chestnut trees, on the banks of the Ode River where I was born, I saw the little sick peasant boy. Oh, don't look at me as if I were going to die, because you are me and I know you. Did this child come from heaven or from hell? Smile at me, I'll recognize you by your smile. The next Canadian singer that we will hear is the beautiful mezzo-soprano Catherine Robin, who pursued a career on the very highest international levels in the 80s and 90s. 
finally retiring to devote herself to teaching in the year 2003. This excerpt that we're going to hear is from a very unusual song cycle by the Swiss composer Arthur Honegger. This is a cycle of six songs composed in 1943 called Saluste du Bartas. Saluste du Bartas was a Huguenot courtier and poet who lived from 1544 to 1590. This song cycle, which is set not to poems of Saluste du Bartas, but the French poet Pierre Beda de Montlore, imagines a relationship between Saluste du Bartas and Marguerite de Valois, whom some may remember is a character in Meyerbeer's opera Les Huguenots. This is the final song of the cycle, called Duo. Love, to which everything invites, will at last unite the poet and Marguerite. As though in a dream she throbs, captive of a beautiful destiny, the love to which everything invites. With the fervor of a ritual, they hold each other's hand, the poet and Marguerite. Eros, you who facilitate everything, light up in their breast the love to which everything invites the poet and Marguerite. Another fascinating song cycle, this one, a compendium of works composed by six different composers on the occasion of the centenary of Chopin's death, was also first performed by the bass Doda Conrad. This cycle is called Mouvement du Coeur, Movements of the Heart, and comprises songs by Henri Sauguy, Francis Poulenc, Georges Auric, Jean Francais, or Francex. I always said Francex, but I think I was told that that's incorrect. 
The Unknown, Léo Préger or Préger, and Darius Millot. The poet for all of these songs is Louise de Villemorin, who, of course, we remember today as having contributed poetry set by Francis Poulenc in numerous songs, most specifically the Fiancailles pour Rire cycle. We are going to hear Millot's setting called Ballade Nocturne. The singer that we're going to hear is Joseph Rouleau, another French-Canadian who had an international career that took him all over the world. One of his early associations was with Joan Sutherland, but even earlier than that, he was one of two Canadian singers invited in the late 50s to make their debuts at Covent Garden. The other, of course, being last week's subject, John Vickers. Rouleau was primarily an opera singer, but he also performed a good deal of both contemporary music and art song. In 1971, he released a recording of both the Henri Sauguet cycle, Vision Infernale, and of this hybrid song cycle, Mouvement du Coeur. This, as I said, is the sixth song of the cycle. Joseph Rouleau is accompanied by Claude Savard. Dame du soir, les anémones qui vous couronnent ont le cœur noir et sont peut-être des démones. Bonne et que fervent font des couronnes de démons. Présent aux mains, les grains de sable chantent des fables des soirs marins et sont peut-être bien des diables. Dame du soir de Seigneur, aux pierres du doux savoir la feuille est peut-être sorcière mais les serrants qui se lièrent quoi le lièvre gardien des temps d'amour en sa feuille sorcière du flot des mers qui Blesse les bras déserts, ce sont peut-être des diablesses. Mais l'inconstant pris à la messe fait des promesses et cœur battant quitte l'amour pour les diablesses. The next singer is a tenor whose honeyed voice has brought me many hours of enjoyment. That is the French-Canadian Richard Verreau, or Richard Verreau. However you say it, he was a phenomenally beautiful voice. He also studied under Raoul Jobin and had an active career until 1977 when unsuccessful throat surgery forced him to retire. 
He didn't do a whole lot of art song, but I did manage to find a live recording of a concert that he gave in Quebec in 1960, which is of highly variable sound, but there were a few items that I thought were acceptable, and from among those, I chose the Rinaldo An song May, which is, of course, a celebration of a month that I hope is going to be upon us very, very quickly. The Canadian pianist Guy Bourassa accompanies Richard Véraud. feature singers that, at the time of this recording, are happily still with us. First off, the mezzo, Judith Forst, one of the most distinguished Canadian opera singers of the second half of the 20th century. She sung an enormous amount of new work, as well as standard repertoire, creating roles in Conrad Sousa's Dangerous Liaisons and André Previn's Streetcar Named Desire. She also did some concert and recital work, including the concert work by Oscar Moravets that we heard Lois Marshall singing a few weeks ago from the diary of Anne Frank. I have a recording here that she made in 1989 with Mario Bernardi and the CBC Vancouver Orchestra. In it, she does a number of arrangements of folk songs, and there were some really beautiful ones there. And the one that I chose for you is a Canadian folk song arranged by Godfrey Rideout, another distinguished Canadian composer. This is called J'ai cueilli la belle rose. Oh, 
The bass baritone Donald Bell is one with whom I first became acquainted on a recital album he made of Songs of Schubert and Löwe that was accompanied by none other than my former teacher, John Wussmann. As did so many of these artists, Donald Bell also sang a good deal of contemporary music, including a hair-raising performance for television of Peter Maxwell Davies' Eight Songs for a Mad King. But in this recording, he proves himself to be a wonderful, wonderful leader-singer. And today, I want to play for you a song by Karl Löwe. He is very much an acquired taste. He was a precursor of Schubert's, and he specialized in the so-called ballade songs that were often based in mythology or folk legend, things like that. It is not unheard of for a Karl Löwe ballade to go on for almost a half an hour. Anyway, this song is called Der Nöck, the water sprite. This song is not nearly as lengthy as that, but it does go on for quite a while. So today I'm only going to play the final section of the song. It's the story of the water sprite who sings full out from his heart and enchants all of nature, but then these nasty boys come along in the middle recitative section and taunt the water sprite and frighten him away. Then the more friendly voices call out for him to return, and he does, and sings with even more power and beauty. These outer sections are pure Italianate bel canto, and Donald Bell sings them very nicely, and of course we also get to hear the phenomenally fluid playing of my beloved teacher John Wussman. This recording's from 1962. Oh, 
There is no more celebrated Canadian musician, I submit to you, than Glenn Gould, a quirky, quixotic genius. I think it would be safe to say. On the Lois Marshall episode, I ended with a beautiful recording of them both performing beim Schlafengehen from Richard Strauss's Vierletzte Lieder. I'm going to play for you today another song by Richard Strauss from his Ophelia Lieder, in which Shakespeare's original texts were translated into German by the publisher Carl Simrock. This is the first of a short three-song cycle, Wie erkenn ich mein Treulieb, and it is sung by the Ukrainian-born, Canadian-naturalized soprano Roxolana Roslak. She is one of a number of singers who studied under Irene Jessner, who we heard at the beginning of the podcast. Thank you. 
In recent weeks, I have included two excerpts from an album that I recently acquired of songs by the Austrian-born, U.S.-naturalized composer Karl Weigel. This was a fascinating album that was put out in 1973 and which featured the pianist David Garvey, best known, of course, as Leontine Price's pianist. The featured singers on this recording are Judith Raskin, George Shirley, Betty Allen, William Warfield, all of whom have been featured on the podcast before. Today, I have for you a duet from that album featuring George Shirley opposite the French-Canadian soprano Colette Bocchi, who had a significant metropolitan opera career as kind of a second stringer. But in the things that I've heard her and I've enjoyed her very much. Anyway, she joins George Shirley in a series of five duets on this recording, of which I'm going to play you the one called In Goldner Fühle, In Golden Abundance. We walk through the golden abundance of summer's enchanted land, spellbound, we walk together, clasping each other's hand. To whom, ere such summer was granted, he laughs with glee at times fleeting. So we shall walk in golden abundance through all of eternity. very good reason for doing so, because the next selection is going to be from Paul Hindemith's cycle Das Marienleben. I recently published a bonus episode on my Patreon page featuring the first half of that cycle sung by Jenny Turrell. So before we go on to the next selection, which features a different singer singing from Das Marienleben, 
let me just tell you about my Patreon page. You can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash countermelody. There you can become a supporter for either a monthly donation or a one-time-a-year donation. Either way, you will be able to access all of the bonus episodes that I have posted. I recently have two new supporters, Neil and Stephen. Welcome to you both, old friends, good friends. Thank you so much for your support. And again, for those who want to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody and make your donation, after which you will be immediately able to access all of the 33 bonus episodes that I have thus far posted. Anyway, back to Paul Hindemith and Das Marienleben. Paul Hindemith did two different settings of these poems. The first completed in 1923, the second 25 years later. Some of the songs remained more or less the way that they had been, but other ones underwent serious and significant revision. We're going to hear one of the songs from that cycle, Marie Heimsuchung, and the singer we're going to hear is Francis James, an important Canadian singer who was born in Halifax and sang a significant amount of new music, including works that were written specifically for her. She sang both versions of the Marienleben cycle, and she, in fact, was the very first singer to record the revised version of these songs in the year 1950. Francis James is here accompanied by the Canadian pianist, organist, harpsichordist, and opera coach George Brow. The Visitation of Mary. It was easy for her in the beginning, but while climbing she sometimes, even then, was aware of her wondrous body, and then she stood breathing on the high hills of Judea, but not the countryside, her fullness spread out around her. Along the way she felt, no one will ever step beyond the grandeur that she now sensed. And she had the urge to lay her hand on the other body, which was wider. And the women swayed toward each other and touched each one the other's clothes and hair. Each one, filled with her holy shrine, sheltered herself with her kinswoman, Ah, the Saviour in her was yet a blossom, but the Baptist in her older kin's womb even now was moved to leap for joy. Before we hear Francis James and George Brau in this recording, we're going to hear the great German soprano Lotte Lehmann do a reading of the original German text. Noch erging sie's leicht im Anbeginne, doch im Steigen manchmal ward sie schon ihres wunderbaren Leibes inne. Und dann stand sie, atmend, auf den hohen Judenbergen. Aber nicht das Land, ihre Fülle war um sie gebreitet. Gehen fühlte sie, man überschreitet nie die Größe, die sie jetzt empfand. Und es drängte sie, die Hand zu legen auf den andern Leib, der weiter war. Und die Frauen schwankten sich entgegen und berührten sich Gewand und Haar. Jede, voll von ihrem Heiligtume, schützte sich mit der Gevatterin. Ach, der Heiland in ihr war noch Blume. <lacht> 
Doch den Teufel in dem Schoß der Mume riss die Freude schon zum Hüpfen hin. One of the most famed and celebrated Canadian artists of all time was Maureen Forrester, who lived from 1930 to 2010. She was admired the world over initially for her performances of art song and concert repertoire, including particularly Mahler and Brahms, but later on also in opera. She also commissioned and created a great deal of new work primarily by Canadian composers. One such piece that we're going to hear right now is the final song of a cycle that was written for her in 1966 called The Confession Stone. This is by the Canadian composer Robert Fleming. These are meditations by Mary at various points in her life. The Rilke poems in Marienleben are told from the third person. These songs, however, set to texts by Owen Dodson, are in the voice of Mary herself. This is the final song of the cycle, as I said, and begins with the words, Oh, my boy Jesus, my first and only son. Maureen Forrester is here accompanied in this 1982 recording by John Newmark. Oh, my boy. 
In a way, I've been saving one of my Canadian secret weapons here to unleash on you. That is the baritone James Milligan, who, had he not died prematurely and quite suddenly at the age of 33 in 1961, surely would be celebrated as one of the greatest Canadian artists of all time. One of the greatest artists, period. Just the summer before he died, he made his first appearance at Bayreuth as the Wanderer in Siegfried under the baton of Rudolf Kempe and had an enormous success in that part. And it certainly boded well for his future, which, as I mentioned, was unfortunately cut short just a few short months later. We heard three weeks ago Lois Marshall sing the premiere of From the Diary of Anne Frank, and that was composed by the Czech-born Canadian composer Oskar Moravec. In 1961, James Milligan, accompanied by the composer Oskar Moravec, made a recording of five of Moravec's songs. They are all absolutely stunning, but the one that I'm going to play for you is the third one, set to a poem by William Blake called Mad Song. This dramatic song describes the plight of the poet who can only find relief from the madness of the day in sleep. The wild winds weep and the night is a cold. Come hither sleep and my griefs enfold. Oh, 
The episode is winding down, and I have two final artists to offer you today. The first is one of my favorite singers of all time, Teresa Stratas. She, of course, made her career almost exclusively in opera. But at the time that she sang the Met premiere of Aufstieg und Fall der Stadt Mahagoni as Jenny, she was gifted by Kurt Weill's widow, Lotte Lenya, with a cache of songs that had not been heard in decades, if ever. And she made a now iconic recording called The Unknown Court Vile, which was released in 1981. Now it's funny, because that's really a misnomer. Many of these songs have become absolute standards. But I'm going to offer you one of the less well-known songs from that recording, and it's called Das Abschiedsbrief, the farewell letter, or basically the Dear John letter. And the text is by the German writer and humorist Erich Kestner, who still is very celebrated here in Germany. It's basically a kiss-off, which is brought to vivid life by Teresa Stratas, born, by the way, Anastasia Stratakis, and her pianist Richard Wojtak, who we also heard on the John Vickers episode just last week. Zwei Stunden sitz ich schon im Kaffeebauer. Wenn du nicht willst, dann sag mir's ins Gesicht. Deswegen wird mir meine Milch nicht sauer. Ich pfeif auf dich, mein Schatz, das schön dann nicht. Du brauchst nicht denken, dass ich dich erinnere. Mit dem Verkürben wir das jetzt aus. Auch ich hab so etwas wie eine Hilfe. 
dich blicken, Schatz, lass dich nicht blicken, Schatz, sonst fliegst du raus. enjoyed this episode featuring so many wonderful Canadian singers. I'm going to close off the episode with a little teaser for my upcoming series during Black History Month. Here is the contralto Portia White, who was the first Black Canadian concert singer to achieve worldwide recognition. She was named a person of national historic significance by the Government of Canada in 1995. Like Teresa Stratos, she also studied under Irene Jessner, and she did carry on a sporadic performing career, which was interrupted by vocal difficulties, racism, and ill health. She died in 1968 at the age of only 56. She never made any official recordings but her family did assemble a cache of live recordings that had been made over the course of her career and released them after her death. Today, she is celebrated 
by Canadians and has been the subject of increasing interest. Her theme song, in a way, was Think on Me, which is a poem by Lady John Scott that was set to a pre-existing Scottish ballad. According to her family, Portia White dearly wanted to be remembered. And I'm so happy to say that that is once again the case. So, my dear friends, here is Portia White, and I'll see you next week for the first of my series in Black History Month 2022.
My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.